in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to the new Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's program we have an interview with a new German ambassador to the United States and a portrait of the Cologne-based musician Josef Suchi. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Heiligendamm. World leaders are meeting in the German seaside resort of Heiligendamm for the Group of Eight Summit. German Chancellor Angela Merkel, whose country holds the current presidency of the G8, wants this week's summit participants to agree to set long-term goals to cut greenhouse gas emissions. But she faces opposition from US President George W. Bush, who wants to convene a global summit that includes a new generation of polluters from the developing world such as China, India and Brazil. Germany wants the G8 to agree to cut greenhouse gas emissions to 50% below 1990 levels by the year 2050. Around 16,000 police officers are patrolling the area outside. An 11-kilometer protective wall separates the leaders from protesters outside. Heavy protests with hundreds of injured people took place in Rostock at the weekend. Luxembourg. European Union finance ministers have agreed that Germany is no longer in breach of the bloc's financial rules. Germany received the formal all-clear from all 27 EU finance chiefs in Luxembourg. Faster economic growth helped Berlin to cut the budget deficit below the EU limit of 3% of gross domestic product for the first time since 2002. Gent. The former manager of the telecom cycling team, Walter Godefroth, has denied any involvement in the doping of riders during the 1990s. Godefroth told a news conference in Belgium that he planned to sue former telecom message therapist Jeff de Hond over allegations of doping that he made in a recently published book. This comes just days after several former team telecom riders admitted that they had used a banned substance EPO during the 90s when Godefort was the team manager. Wiesbaden An increasing number of Germans are leaving home and are going abroad to live there. In 2006, immigration was at the highest level since the 1940s. More than 150,000 Germans left the country last year, the Federal Statistics Office said. That's around 7% more than in the previous year. Favorite destinations are Switzerland, Austria and the US. The reasons for these trends are not clear, but it might be the economy, the office explained. But there are still more foreigners coming to Germany than leaving the country. Klaus Chariot is the new German ambassador to the United States. He follows Wolfgang Ischinger, who had to walk a fine diplomatic line in Washington during the beginning of the Iraq war, explaining why Germany wouldn't follow the US into battle and why Germany doesn't see the war in Iraq as part of the war on terror. It turned out that the White House should have listened more carefully to their partners in Europe, but this is past. Klaus Schariot is the new German diplomat in Washington and his job is not an easy one as well, as the latest discussions and arguments between the US and Germany and Europe prove. 
This time it's over climate change and what to do. But his experience in diplomacy, in crisis management and his ability to lay out the German position without alienating his counterparts makes Ambassador Shariot the right man for the right time. On a recent visit to San Francisco, I spoke with the ambassador for Radio Goethe magazine. Mr. Ambassador, this is not your first time in the United States. You studied in the U.S. in the 60s. Is this a dream come true for you to come back here as the German ambassador? Yes, although I must say 40 years ago, I didn't even think about that. But certainly I would never have imagined to become to come back 40 years later as ambassador. So how is it the feeling to be back? It's great because I really believe It is the essential relationship, the relationship between Europe and the United States, because it is a necessary precondition for solving any of the global challenges we face, not always sufficient, but a necessary precondition, and it is extremely satisfying to work for that. Your predecessor's time in Washington was overshadowed by the war in Iraq and difficult relations between Germany and the US. What will be your focus? The focus changes all the time. And uh, so, for instance, the last few days, we talked uh, almost every day about climate change and about energy efficiency. But this is, uh, from month to month, quite different. And this makes the job so fascinating. We, of course, have overall trends. We, of course, would like to enhance the exchange between Uh, people from Germany and the United States. I would like to bring more people from the United States to Germany and also to bring uh, people from Germany to the United States. You mentioned already the climate change, Ambassador. For a while, the tensions between Germany and the United States seemed to ease and there was a sense of cooperation and partnership. Now with Germany leading the way for tougher emissions control and U.S. resistance to these kinds of standards, will there be a common ground in the future? I think there will. I think we already made a huge first step on April 30th when we had uh, the agreement that uh, the emission of ga greenhouse gases is a problem which we have to tackle. And I really see that the mood in this country is changing. And when I uh, came here 14 months ago, the mood was very different from today and I feel really growing support for our position uh, which aims at uh, accepting that we have to have a climate goal of no more uh, warming than two degrees centigrade, which is 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, and that we also have to cut emissions and that we have to find a market-based solution. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the insight in that into, in, into that is growing here. But how will you involve the administration, the current administration, in these kind of discussions? And uh, what do you plan to do there? We have had very good discussions on that, not only in the run-up for the EU-US summit on April 30th, but we have uh, very intense discussions in the run-up for the G8 summit, which will take place uh, between 6 and 8 June in Heiligendamm in Germany. And uh, actually... I think that these discussions will, uh, not, will not be without success. Uh, I think we will probably not get everything what we want, but I think we will get movement.
President Bush is still in office and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, was just welcomed in Germany. She talked about environmental policies that Germany supports and the current White House has blocked. How difficult is it for you to talk to both sides without alienating each of them? That's the function of uh, an ambassador and also a function of foreign policy. You always speak with the administration. You always speak also with the opposition. That's the rule in a democratic country. And when people come to Germany, they see the chancellor, but they also see the opposition. And uh, of course, an ambassador talks to the administration, but he also talks to all members of Congress. And therefore, I think it is very normal that the Speaker of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, when she is in Germany, sees the Chancellor. And uh, actually, I can tell you that an excellent conversation uh, about many subjects, but first of all, about climate change. The presidential election is in full swing already. Who would you prefer to work with after Election Day and why? This is the question I cannot answer, and you will understand why. Okay. Germany currently holds the presidency in the European Union and in the G8 group. In both leadership positions, the German administration is focused on environmental issues. How successful can a presidency be with these high stakes? That's the beauty of the presidency. You see, you can never decide, but you can get things rolling. You can start initiatives. And I think, for instance, without the initiative of Chancellor Angela Merkel, we would not have gotten the transatlantic economic uh, framework. We would not have gotten the Transatlantic Economic Council, which we agreed upon on, uh, at the EU-US summit. So these were German initiatives, these were German ideas, and it was us who introduced the topic, for instance, of reducing regulatory uh, divergences between Europe and the United States. And as you see, we were successful. So you can have success. But of course, you always need all the others. You can't make decisions. You can raise topics. You can ask questions. You can start initiatives, but you can't decide alone. The EU presidency will end soon. Will there still be a chance for Germany to, to push this topic? First of all, uh, of course, the G8 presidency does not yet end because uh, it runs until the end of the year. We have more time uh, in our G8 presidency than we have in our EU presidency. And then for the first time, we have in the EU what we call the TRIO presidency. We have a common program, Germany, Portugal and Slovenia. So you will see a very close relationship and a very similar program of the next two presidencies in the EU. And therefore, I'm very confident that uh, the same policies will apply as they do now. The U.S. is up against seemingly insurmountable obstacles in Iraq and Afghanistan and presumably needs all the help it can get in finding a solution. Is the U.S. turning to Germany and what role can and will Germany play in these conflicts? We have uh, always played uh, a great and important role in Afghanistan and have always closely cooperated with our NATO allies and before all with the United States in Afghanistan. You might know that between January 2003 and summer 2006, Germany was the number one 
troop contributor to ISAF, to the NATO force in Afghanistan. Uh, we have been spending about $100 million every year since 2002 on civil reconstruction because we very much believe this is not only a military question, this is not only a question of providing security, but it is a question of breaking this vicious circle between non-security and non-development, non-security, non-reconstruction. And therefore, we put so much emphasis and so much effort into civil reconstruction. And we actually, we see here eye to eye with the United States and with our other NATO allies. I think the effort in Afghanistan is really a, a symbol of what you can achieve if you act in a united way. And on Iraq, you all know that we have different, that we had differences on, on of views in 2003, but this is water under the bridge. We now work together to uh, enhance the chances of the Iraqi government to be successful. And uh, you know that uh, the German government has, uh, if you put all the aid together, has given $6 billion in, in aid or in debt forgiveness to the Iraqi government, which is an incomparable amount of money. And it shows how serious we are in trying to make, to give the, to give the Iraqi government the chance of success. You're talking about the Iraqi government, but you're not talking about helping the U.S. in a military solution or in military ways. Is this like the clear uh, position of Germany not to support the U.S. in a military way? You can't say it that way. You know, it is true that we have a red line that we don't send uh, German soldiers into Iraq. But we have trained uh, the Iraqi military, we have trained Iraqi officers, and actually quite a few, in Abu Dhabi uh, in an effort to, to help also the United States, but of course, first of all, the Iraqi government to succeed. And it might be interesting to know for you that altogether we have trained more than 1,400 people, uh, either in Abu Dhabi or in Germany, This is not only soldiers, this is also policemen, this is bureaucrats, this is lawyers, this is uh, uh, judges, this is journalists, this is professors. Um, so we do a common effort and uh, as, as we have included also officers, um, this is something to be remembered. Looking around in the United States, you can find a lot of evidence of German immigration. Throughout the U.S., there are still many German clubs, societies, newspapers and radio programs. In your view, how important are these German immigrants as ambassadors for Germany? I think uh, they uh, contribute to the fact that uh, the way people look at attitudes, uh, at, at, at things, that... Um, The whole culture between uh, America and, and, and Germany is not so different. Um, it depends on how you count it. You have uh, between 43 and 60 million Americans who have uh, German forebears, quite a lot. Actually, it's the largest group. Uh, and actually, if you look at the official statistics, there's no other country which has sent more people to the United States than Germany. So there is a closeness, and I think there is a feeling of closeness, and that, I think, is very, very important. Uh, our uh, opinion polls show 
that the German Americans have exactly the same view as other Americans. So there's no difference. You don't, you can't really say now that we should have more contacts with one than the others. I think that they blended so well into this society proves how similar the cultures are. You were here in California for a couple of days to visit, uh, and you were meeting also Governor Schwarzenegger. How important is California for Germany? It's very important because it is the most populous and in many ways also the most important state uh, of the 50 states of the United States. Uh, you have here trends a bit earlier than in other places, and therefore California, not only because of its very strong economy, is an important partner, but you see, for instance, yesterday I spent the whole day in Silicon Valley, and that was extremely interesting to see, and in many ways you uh, believe to see a little bit of the future when you visit here, and therefore California is only one of the reasons, but for this one reason alone, California is very important. Thank you very much. Thank you. For questions and comments, please find us online at radiogoethe.org. <laughs> Josef Suchi is a musician that needs time, both ways, time for him to develop his music, time for the listener to dive into the musical world. And sometimes it's not that easy to understand where Suchi is coming from and where he's going to. Our avant-garde music reporter Raphael Smasoch with a portrait. Cologne-based musician Josef Suchi is one of Germany's most interesting guitarists working in the vast field of avant-garde musics. In spite of the fact that his guitar playing displays the craft of a luminary instrumentalist, the general acknowledgement of his work is still missing, although he has released four solo records by now. He collaborated with a lot of different musicians, ranging from laptop wizard Eckhard Ehlers to famous can drummer Jackie Liebezeit. 
durfte in keiner Band spielen, also wurde ich nie gezwungen. I was not allowed to play in a band, therefore I wasn't pressured to act in a certain context, be it independent, noise, free jazz, fusion, crowdrock or whatever. I had to build my own imaginary worlds. In my opinion, only then something individual can happen. You have to unlearn what you learned and you ought to listen with opened ears. These particular circumstances helped Suchi to develop his own sound. An ability which most musicians are not able to devise. Suchi's tone is characterized by a clear and oratorical pulse. He is not using a standard tuning, which makes his music appear otherworldly and hard to pin down in its harmonic structures. Last but not least, he is working with computer effects to shape his instrumental meditations into whirlwinds of pure sonic power. My music always functions on an optical level. I don't like to work in total abstractions. There always have to be images in my mind. Images which try to simulate something. My music is not describing a route from point A to point B or emotions like happiness or pain. Music is for me an acoustic deformation of reality with the visual forces of images. Suchi's music displays in its rich information density a sense for dramaturgic development. His playing may evoke images of long-forgotten spirits by conjuring horrific thunderstorms of pure noise, delve into melancholic emotions with transcendental drones, or create suspenseful events of cosmic silence. Above all, his compositions and improvisations always seem to be very structured and thoughtfully assembled, striking with a vivid collection of intelligent ideas. His sounds describe a musical storyline which bears the aura of cinematic imagination. Ich denke immer sehr konzeptionell. I always think in a very conceptual way. This is somehow a dramaturgic simulation of film, because there's always the necessity for a plot. My music functions like a soundtrack. There is the intervening and the drift off of musical strands and the constant replacement and fill-in of new information. This is very much related to the idea of a soundtrack. The immersion of concise themes, the mixing of field recordings and all of that stuff. I have this from the television series and movies I used to watch. As a teenager, I have been addicted to images. This meant more than hearing to me. Images were essential for me. Das war mehr als das Hören für mich eigentlich. Für mich waren die Bilder das Ausschlaggebende.
As a teenager, Josef Suchi traveled the world and visited a lot of exotic places. These trips helped him to work with musical information in a completely different manner. His adventurous journeys into nature's untouched reservations led him to develop a musical approach which tries to simulate the sound world of nature. Apart from any esoterical ideology, his music is subjected to an organic flow, permanently morphing and spitting out new oral elements, being a living entity. Besides that, these expeditions introduced him to a variety of different instruments, each carrying its own magical tone. I have traveled to Arabia and Asia. On my journeys I had the opportunity to play a lot of strange instruments, which were tuned in free intonations, so that tones could move freely and display a manifoldness of sound. I have also been in the jungle and experienced an immense variety of different sounds there with a symphonic content which even an orchestra couldn't outdo. This was very powerful and had a lasting impression on me. I learned to have the feeling for noise and to move away from traditional concepts of melody and harmony towards free expression and movement. Expression and movement are probably two signifying characteristics of Suhi's music. Most of his compositions are made by layering different tracks of musical information in a digital sequencer program and applying to each track different effects. The results are always unpredictable, presenting strange harmonic interferences and weird rhythmic developments. However, this kind of expansion of the sonic repertoire of the guitar does not only rely on Suhi's abilities to work in an unconventional way with studio equipment or musical material, but also comes from a fundamental questioning of musical theory. Wir haben ja in unserer klassischen Vorstellung von Musik eine ganz gewisse Funktionsharmonik. Und diese Funktionsharmonik etwa in einem Popsong beschränkt sich einzig allein darauf, sich in den All music is subjected to the rules of functional harmony. This kind of harmonic idea establishes itself, let's say in a Popsong, by creating a classic policy of cadences, major and minor triads and so on. Within jazz music there are more expansions of this idea. Functional harmony provides the basis for improvisation within defined tonal systems. My music functions apart from any functional harmony and modality. I am just moving through a rhythmic structure which is independent of any formalities given by pop or jazz music. Therefore, I am able to combine tones which don't have to necessarily stand in relation to each other. I am even able to use noises. I only have to place them in a certain part. Therefore, I am not subjected to play a major chord followed by a minor chord or the other way round. I can operate with silence, noise or concrete sound just as with major and minor chords. 
That is the significant difference. Of course, sometimes it can sound very strange, but that's the only possibility to break free out of obsolete concepts. Und das ist dieser entscheidende Unterschied. Und das klingt natürlich manchmal ziemlich schräg, das ist schon klar. Aber man muss sagen, es ist auch die einzige Möglichkeit, aus vorgegebenen Fahrwassern herauszukommen. And that's exactly a quality which Josef Suchi has achieved. His music shows an active development, always rethinking itself and trying to create new and outstanding oral presentations. His fifth solo release, which is being made as we speak, will focus solely on the acoustic guitar. There will be no digital processing or studio trickery, just a microphone and the warm tone of his six strings. One can already say that this will be a much-anticipated work. today's Radio Goethe magazine, please find us online at radiogoethe.org. I'm Arndt Peltner.